I am a podcaster, an audio engineer, and a business owner. I'm also interested in your story. We're interested in your story. Welcome to the All Things Black Podcast, where I help to tell stories of greatness from the perspectives of blackness. I interview entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs authors, authors, educators, educators, aspiring men and women who are doing great things in the black community, whose stories need to be told and heard. That's you. I talk about generational wealth creation, buying black, educating black youth, mentorship, relationships, and much, much more. Join us on Apple Podcast, Apple Spotify, Spotify, Radio Public, Radio Public Google, Podcast, Google Podcast, and a host of other streaming platforms. I drop new and exciting episodes every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in. You just might hear someone that you know. You might hear some very, very great information. God bless. Welcome to another edition and episode of the All Things Black Podcast with your host, Mr. Black Ovation. And you guys know what time it is. I am so excited today to have this discussion with three brothers that I have met that are doing phenomenal work in the community. And as you will see, they, <laughs> they, 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 they'll let you know exactly what that kind of work is and, 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 of course, what they do. This episode is near and dear to my heart because it talks about uh, us as black men and how we can actually try to come together in a way that is really constructive in our own communities and how we can actually ele- start to elevate our community. But first and foremost, make sure you guys listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Spotify, Google Podcasts, any other streaming platforms that you can pick it up on. All right. And Let's kind of get right into it. I don't want to waste time. I'm really excited to hear what these brothers have to say. First and foremost, I'm, I'm, there's no particular order I'm going to go in. So when I, once I call that name, I just want you guys to come right out, tell a listening audience uh, uh, about yourself, and then we go from there. I'm going to start with a uh, dear brother Keith. Brother Keith does run a podcast. I think you can actually listen to it on YouTube and other streaming platforms. It's called Just Our Thoughts, and he has three other brothers with him on that platform. Brother Keith, would you please introduce yourself, sir? <laughs> now, first, before I go into that, man, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity, not only to be a part of your network, be a part of what you got going on, be a part of the conversation, but to build um, with Remus and build with Tyrone, you know, and had this conversation, you know, um, that we're looking forward to having. Um, again, I'm Keith, Keith Hall. I host a podcast called Just Our Thoughts with the Fellas. Like Dow said, we certainly can be found on YouTube. Uh, we also could be found on all streaming services as well. When you talk about Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more, uh, we could be found on Instagram, on JLT with the fellas, as well as Facebook uh, with just our thoughts. On our podcast, we talk about national and local news. We discuss trending topics, current events, culturally relevant topics, and we certainly have core conversations. One of those core conversations we had this past Monday, we wanted to celebrate um, the month of June and call it Men's Month. We want to highlight Black men 
um, in the work that they're doing in their children's lives. Highlight the average black man that's, you know, there for their, there for their kids, you know, there for their children. So we did a episode this past Monday called A Father's Love that's up now on our streaming services. And I do this podcast with three of my best friends and we dive into these, these, these conversations and, you know, and, and get our thoughts, get our perspective, you know, because we certainly don't hear, as you guys know, the voice of the black man. And this is one of the things that we, we, we certainly want to focus on and continue to work just as you guys are doing. So thank you. Thank you, Dale, for, for, for bringing me um, on board with you, man. I'd certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you very much as well. I'm glad you guys actually, uh, you know, wanted to be a part of this discussion and came on the show. Like I said, I'm very excited about this discussion. Uh, and just yes. to let you know, I did hear that that Father's Love podcast. That was deep. Nice. I, I like nice. it, man. Nice. I like that I shared nice. it out more nice. a couple Appreciate of times it. so people can listen to it. Nice. You know, nice. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I mean, any kind of work, man, trying to elevate and lift up black men, man, and black community is 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 number one on my list. So definitely, uh, thank you again, man, for showing up on the on the on the on the show. Uh, I'm going to uh, introduce our next uh, guest on the panel. That would be our dear brother. I call him definitely brother, brother Remus. Brother Remus <laughs> Muhammad is a member of the Nation of Islam. Okay, I wanted him to definitely come on the show because there is, to me, there is a a um, you know a few things that he can share in regards to the subject matter that we're going to get into. And of course, I haven't specified the topic yet uh, because I definitely want to get you guys introduced first before we go into the conversation. Uh, he and I met, I believe it was on Clubhouse and Brother Remus had a lot to share. Uh, he had a, a lot to share then and we kind of connect in that, in, 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 that, in that way. So uh, Brother Remus, if you would, sir, come forward and introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Love it. I appreciate you. I thank a lot for this opportunity. Thank a lot. Best and merciful. Um, yes, indeed. I, I came out of Los Angeles, born and raised in L.A., 52 years old, um, born and raised Catholic, came into teachings 26 years ago after going off to Hawaii for college, uh, studying business, getting a BBA in management, getting a master's in Japanese business. Um, being blessed to get go around the world in college, hit 11 countries. Um, my family wasn't able to do that, you know, from L.A. My mother's side is big family, 10 brothers and sisters. Um, you know, but I had all my cousins and everybody, but Allah was blessing me. And I heard the minister's teachings uh, in college, the, the murder of Malcolm X, 25th anniversary. Um Black male, female relationships, youth gangs, drugs, and violence. It was never the same after that. I was a graduation speaker, you know, outstanding man in business. Um, you know, lived in Japan for two years after that, got a master's in Japanese business. But it was that feeling of everybody I love is back home. I'm not here to just post up in Japan for the rest of my life and I'm good. I had a brother that told me he wasn't in the nation, but, you know, he said, Jerry Bell, in fact, he's in the Black Karate Federation. He married a Japanese woman. He said, brother, marry you a Japanese woman. Go over there and don't come back to America. America ain't got nothing for you. Just go live like a king over there. <laughs> it just, I understand why he said that, because there's a lot of reality to that. But 
I just wasn't in my spirit to say, I'm good. I got mine. I'm out. Peace. <laughs> you know, y'all be y'all figured out. I'm out of here. <laughs> so anyway, fast forward. It was a matter of time. I married my college sweetheart. She was in Japan with me. She went around the world as well. So we came to the nation, came back to LA and at uh, 26 years old, 26 years ago. And heard Minister Ave speaking and some other brother, Minister Charles, who's now down in Phoenix. And I came in and um I was loving it. I, I, you know, I, I said, where's that, where the brothers stay? They said, FY House. I started staying with Brother Rodriguez in LA. So my wife at the time, she said, if I don't get all the way with the teachings and she was putting her hair, her, you know, her, her, uh, her hair garb on and she was falling in as an MGT going to class and she was loving it. But she said, if I don't fall all the way in and get my ex, can we work out our marriage? And I said, no, ma'am, if you can't submit to this, then uh, after what you've seen me do all over the world and you can't roll with this, then, you know, there's nothing we can do. We're not going to work out this marriage. So she went her separate ways. And um, and um, I stuck. And I've been sticking. And I haven't really exercised the Japanese part and all that stuff yet, but I fell in and got my ex and married Vanguard and got a 22-year-old daughter now, Samaya Muhammad, you know, and so... But now here we are. Fast forward, you know. I think Brother Gerald and I did we meet in Clubhouse? Was it? Yeah, um, yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was. It was. It was Clubhouse. I forget the exact uh, room that we were in, but I, I, I know it was Clubhouse. And then we kind of migrated over to Instagram, and then uh, we got you know phone numbers, and we you know kind of you know corresponded connected. through you through text message and sometimes phone calls and stuff like that. So absolutely. Yes, yeah, sir. I just wanted to lay that foundation so my brothers could get a better feel in the audience could who I am. But then from there, I'll just end up with this, end off like this for now. We'll come back later. But credit is what I got into two years ago. And I realized that we're not buying any farm and all these other things and land for ourselves if our credit is jacked up. Now, somebody else we might partner with might be able to do all that. But individually, uh, in this world we're living in, 1971, the Fair Credit Reporting Act was developed. And the way this white man is working, there's rules of the land right now with this credit. If our credit is 500, 400, I realize it's going to be hard to play this game in the current 2021 season that we're in. And so that's where I spend a lot of time now, brother, is um, bringing that to the table. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Uh, love it. Love it. Love it. One of the things I, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on, because again, you know, you're going to give somewhat of a unique uh, perspective uh, from the title that I will be introducing right after Brother Tyrone introduces himself. Uh, so that's why I want to kind of bring you on here. So going forward, I'm going to now talk about my dear brother Tyrone. Uh, <laughs> Tyrone, he's not, he, he, listen, uh, you know, brother got an infectious spirit, man, and he and he he's moving. Um, you know, whether, you know, it's whatever he's doing, the brother's moving in his, uh, in his purpose. And right now he has a company by the name of train your, train your success Academy. So again, he also has a podcast. You can hear it on, you know, basically all the different streaming platforms. And, uh, I think, I think brother Tyrone, you did also talk about some mentorship and stuff like that. So in your introduction, I think you can actually kind of talk about that a little bit. But Brother Tyrone, last but not least, go right ahead, sir. God bless you. Thank you so much, Darren, um, just for this opportunity to, to be in this panel. Uh, thank you for um, you, uh, Remus, as well as Keith, just for the work that you all are doing and all the different various experiences. Um, I am the CEO um, and founder of Train Your Success Academy. It's a nonprofit organization that focuses on the upward mobility of young black men. Um, I, I recently uh, started this about a year ago. I felt like um, 
I was being moved towards that paradigm. I am, um, I'll be 40 years of age next month. I do have a, a 15 year old son. Um, you know, and one of the things that I, I recognized about, um, where young black men need and what it is that is the, is missing is what I call those day ones, which is the, the fathers mm. that have been in their life since day one, meaning that we're not split in parental custody. I know there's a lot of things that take place and with the, the baby moms and all, you know, different things that you have no choice and you get the court systems involved in uh, different aspects of, of that. But um, it is a hard thing um, to teach someone how to be in their, their, their child's life from birth to 21 as a black man. That's like a whole nother um, education, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that it's it just, you know, it, it's not out there. It, you know, there's no book on it, you know? And so, so yes, I am the author of uh, six books, uh, including uh, creative elasticity it's on Amazon um, sound advice for black adolescent entrepreneurs. I am a blogger at uh, trainyoursuccess.com. I do podcasts as well. Um, train your six, train your success Academy. Um, and it's on Apple anchor, all, all the different ones to uh, speaker, um, as, as well. Um, and I do have a Facebook page as well that I post a, a lot of my content from a blog there. So, so yes, that, that's what I do with regards to my ministry, but with my public persona, I am a financial researcher. I, I'm an ecosystem builder and I'm a mental wealth coach. I do that, um, on both ends of the spectrum, young and old, because even as a 40 year old black man, I, I, I still mentor a lot of black adults, believe it or not. Right. So that, that's, you know, part of what I do, but overall, um, it's just my mission, um, is to revolutionize the minds of young black men and to do it in a way that pulls them out of this, uh, Americanized system that has corrupted their thinking. So when you get into a place that they snatch your mind, then you're going to run around and act like they act and, act and think like they want you to think. And so that, that's my mission is to really snatch their minds by giving them their original mind, the mind before they were birthed into this mind, right? That generational curse follows you. It goes down the line. And so when you are born into something that, um, is not of your own doing, then you have to do the work to break release from it. Right. So, so that, that's my thing. And, and again, thank you all, Darren. I'm excited to um, be on this panel. Man, show's over. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Uh, 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 so man, I, I listen, I really, really, really appreciate all three of you being on the show talking about this particular subject of which I am not going to talk about what that is and why, <laughs> you know, I wanted to talk about it and where it came from. So the, the, the title of this uh, particular episode that I want all of us to engage in in conversation is do black men need a collective consciousness to effectuate change in the black community? And I said black men and I say individual black men. And I'm not talking about any kind of hyper individualism. I'm not talking about that in, in, in no form or fashion. I said black men collective. And where I got that from was that I was listening to a particular conversation on Clubhouse and it was a sister that was speaking. And she began to talk about this collective consciousness that 
in her own words that she didn't feel that we were ready to come into. Okay, now that's that's her perspective. That's her uh, idea. But she didn't feel like we were ready to come into at, the, at, at this point. And she was saying that basically she was loved. She would love to see it, but she's not going to wait on it. Okay. So I'm, I got to thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe this is, maybe this is something that we begin to, you know, to talk about and then see how we can actually start to, uh, regardless of uh, religious background, regardless of political affiliation, regardless of all of the different things that kind of hinder us and keep us apart from one another. I want to see, you know, how the, how we can start to bridge that and start to really have that, you know, single collective conscious to be able to move as a unit of men to really go about, you know, changing our own environment. So uh, with that being said, do black men need a collective consciousness to effectuate change in the black community? I don't want to necessarily pick a person to go first. So if, if anybody feels compelled to want to begin to start the dialogue or the conversation, by all means, jump in. If not, I'll go ahead and pick somebody. <laughs> somebody, somebody <laughs> I don't mind chiming in on that, Brother Remus. Yes, sir. Go ahead. I would say absolutely, emphatically, yes. Uh, I'm reminded of the most of my life. I'm saying that our unity is the key to our success. So when I heard you speaking on that, Sister's Wisdom, we have to um, we have to be united. Um, there's no way around it. We have to come together. And I, I see that happening through leadership, through those that know and have the spirit of minister. For sure, we have an example of how to unite a man that called a million brothers together. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a lot of it is respecting where people are at and the wisdom and the God that's in them. When you're looking at the black man and woman, you're looking at God. You're looking at a lot. So we taught that. So it's, 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 I think a lot of that goes back to us mentally being able to handle and allow someone else to not be identical to us, but we still can embrace them. So I just I just landed right there for, for the time being. <laughs> okay. I certainly um I certainly go ahead, brother. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I certainly agree with, with, with Brother Amos um that absolutely um we can. Um and it definitely has a lot everything to do with unity. It has everything to do with trust, it has everything to do with your village um being uplifted and you having your village in mind. Um, to win, you know, and whatever win looks like um, for the individual. So I, I certainly believe that, you know, that we can and that at some point we will. You know, um, I am from a one of the poor cities in the country. And there's no bad to honor there, um, which is from in Camden, New Jersey. And there was a mayoral candidate um, that was running. Um, there's a, you know, uh, there's um, there's a campaign that's going right now. There's an election that's going on, and I literally watched our city divide into three ways. And and for me to watch our city divide into three ways and tearing each candidate down in such a way, it was it was it was heartbreaking. Um, to see this. And it's it appeared to me as if we put another layer of dirt on top of the hole that we're already in. Um, so I think um, when I say trust and when I say, you know, the unity, you know, I thought I think about the, the, the that just one particular election that's going on right now. 
And um, it's definitely disheartening. So, you know, I think trust is a huge part of what we need to 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 to, to gain, you know, when it comes to the, the black man that's standing right next to us. <laughs> Okay, I, I definitely got some questions off of what each each of you guys said, brother uh, Tyrone. You wanna you wanna you wanna chime in or? Absolutely, I I, I, I will totally agree uh, with with Remus and as well as Keith with the trust and unity being the key to our success. Obviously, um, there's a lot of revolving parts, you know, to get a lot of black men to think on the same level. We can come together, but to think collectively as one mm. and that that's a whole um level of education that has to be attained but yes we can we can do anything yeah absolutely i, I agree wholeheartedly with that notion that yeah we, we do need a collective consciousness in order to affect the change because when you think about these groups in america um that are you know getting funded and and, and moving circumspectly and strategically they operating as the unit so if you say something about any particular group, they're going to come out and jump on you, right? Right. right. And, you know, like, like with the nation, obviously, I, I love uh, Mr. Louis Farrakhan, anti-Semite. They, they love to throw that out there, right? So when, when, when you operate as a group and someone throws something at you, the group comes. That, that's one. <laughs> yes. That's one, right? So I think if we can operate like that and we don't let people just drag our name, these young black men, our name through media and just kind of step on us and show all of this, you know, these erratic behaviors of the police against our black men. And I think if we can combat that and, and begin to collectively uh, paint a different picture, then the, that, that consciousness is, is automatic to go. Got it. Got it. Got it. Love it. A couple of you said trust. So I, I, I want to know how was that trust built? Because one of the things that I've experienced in my lifetime is that it's, it's kind of difficult to get us to trust one another. It's very difficult to get us to trust one another. So how do we go about building that trust in us as black men? Right. Number one, uh, how do we go about doing that? And, and, and on top of that, what, what do you believe are some of the unifying factors? Because we got to get to a point where, you know, we understand what a rallying cry is again, regardless of your political affiliation or whatever, we got, we got to understand what a rallying cry is, you know, so that we can be able to move, uh, as a collective unit throughout the throughout the community, so so so, how do you how do you begin to build the trust, and how do we begin to understand as black men that we got to understand uh, under unite under a specific banner, and then understand what a rallying cry is. Okay, I think you mentioned how are we building the trust, brother? Yes, sir. How, how do we begin to, b- to build that trust among black men, among us as black men? I think the undercut is that has to happen first when I say the undercut. Like the first thing is we have to be trustworthy. And so that's a very individual work. That's why I go back to the minister's um, uh, self-improvement is the basis for community development. So if we don't individually get better, if I don't go deal with my pain from when I was growing up and stuff that I didn't like what my teacher said or my dad or, or some my first wife, you know, and if that's still haunting Brother Remus, well, Ain't no sense in you talking about building some trust with me because I'm not even trustworthy because I haven't done the work on me yet. Mm-hmm. You see, so and therefore, no sense in talking about the rest of the community because so <laughs> this is the kind of work that individually has to happen, and so we have to really exhort one another to that kind of truth. Like there's some pain, so brother, you don't like when somebody tell you this or somebody seeming like they over you. 
you know, because of maybe some stuff that happened there. You see, so, and, and if we don't bring that sensitivity to understanding and embracing one another, then we, we're not going to build because there's some stuff there that it's not even about what brother Tyrone said or what brother Remus said or what the brother Jake said. It's, it's really about what happened before that. You see, when brothers re-stimulated on something that's messing with him and upset him. And so we think we go harder with brother. That's just how it is. Black man's how the truth. And we just, we kicking it and we saying things, but we don't really know that person. And that we, there's a certain sensitivity. So it's a little bit of a slowdown in order to speed up. And then we can say, okay, now I understand where that brother's at. I know where he comes from. I see. And a lot of times, you know, society and the brother, the sisters in clubhouse, we're not willing to, to be vulnerable like that. We're not all oh, be tough. Don't brother, you know, don't show no emotion and, but that's not how Allah gets down. You know, this Allah is extremely passionate about what he's passionate about. So we have to be cool with that and understand that we have to, to build trust. We really got to get to know each other. And, and it starts with knowing ourselves and being honest and, you know, to whatever degree of being um, vulnerable and being honest and being real. And then from there, like people say, we're keeping it real. So there's a thing out there today that says, well, you know, uh, be real. Um, you know, we want to settle on the best part. We're not trying to be raunchy. It doesn't mean come down to the street level, but it does mean, hey, if you're really dealing with something, we got to be honest about it because we got to get that dealt with so we can really move forward. We can't be emotional on these higher planes of life and we're still tripping off on some stuff. It'll, it'll mess up whatever we're building. It looks like everything's going good and all of a sudden something to creep out from who knows where and now the whole thing is vulnerable. So that's just my thought on trust. Okay. I certainly agree when, when you talk about just simply standing in the bathroom mirror unapologetically saying to yourself am I trustworthy? You know, looking at yourself on the inside and say am I able to hold this weight or does my hidden agenda get in the way? Um, I think that's one of the most amazing things that we, you know, we kind of skip by. You know, it's easy to blame others. It's easy to point the finger. But to stand in that mirror and say, um, can I hold this weight? Is it, where's the win for me while I'm assisting this other person? Um, to try to get to a point in building the trust. Um, I also would add to that um, intentions. I do some, um, I actually didn't take, take the chance, and I'll be honest, I didn't take the chance to, to tell you my background in, in counseling um, with individual marriage counseling, family counseling, and mental health. Um, one of the things that I share with my clients, and I try to add this to my life every day, actually, my lady and I just was talking about this today, was our intention. Um, when building relationships, I know my intention with her is to be with her for the rest of my life. So, irregardless of what the situation presents to us, how she says it, the package that is delivered in, the words that's chosen, um, I know that our intention is to be together for the rest of our lives. And I liken it to how you build relationships in the community. 
um, building that, that, that network, um, building it with other agencies, knowing that I want the best for you mm. because this is the best for everybody. And that it's the win for me is the win for everyone, not the win for myself. That everyone wins in that. And, you know, to bring it home is similar to the relationship that I'm not just going to win in this relationship. We both got to win to be champions. You know, so we, 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 we talk about the, the being trustworthy. I also add um, being intent driven when it comes to building that community, building the community, the black community. Um, so it looks like the way it should look. You know, I didn't get a chance to see the um, the movie on the Tulsa riots, but I know we're all familiar with it. But being able to get to that space, man, where we can do things and I don't have to worry about if this brother has more than me um, in terms of things and stuff. I'm applauding him and I'm happy for him. And yet it still drives me and motivates me to continue to keep pushing. And there's no ill intent there. So, you know, for me, I, I, I also, I always bring things back to being intent driven. Um, definitely, uh, definitely something I'm actually going to look at even more <laughs> that you brought this up, man. I appreciate that, Daryl, you know, I'm a, you know, kind of dive into that even more so, but yeah, being intent driven for me is important. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. So you're looking at intent. You're looking at mm-hmm. being trustworthy. You're looking at doing the internal work. Uh, brother mm-hmm. Remus, I heard, I heard, I just heard brother say, uh, you want for your brother what you want for yourself. In other words, trying Absolutely. to get the jealousy out of your heart. You know, when you do see somebody successful, cause, because really and truly that success is your success. You know, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll save the rest of that thought for later. But uh, brother Tyrone, brother Tyrone, what do you, what, what are your thoughts, sir? Absolutely. Um, very powerful shares about um, community building, doing the inner work. You know, Keith's position around therapy and mental health for black men. We've been able to operate in a space where we can come to the table vulnerable and to open up and say, hey, you know what? You've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. He's been through a lot. Well, why can't we talk about that? You know, pull, pull that out. So we can get on some level playing field with it. Because a lot of times you can, people hold stuff against people. That's, oh, I got that on, on my brother. I ain't going to share my deepest thing, but he was vulnerable. He shared his, and I'm going to grab that and, and kind of have something on it. Those moments, you know, contributes to that trust factor where a lot of, a lot of dudes are really um, hidden with those things. They don't want no, they don't want nobody to have a leg up on them or have a one up, right? Where they can later on go throw it to social media or just, you know, post or have something to say because a lot of our culture with the battle rap and social media and everything that is taking place with our young men now, it, it's, you know, they look them up dirt. Like, let's say, for instance, um, Kevin Hart, when he said something about the LGBT and he got blackballed from the Grammys. Right, they'll go and dig up stuff. So we are having to come to a table with, with, with young men to say, "Hey, you know what? Can you do the work necessary, right? So you can operate in this environment of trust. It, it, we have to build a culture around trust. It's an environment, like a fraternity. 
that's why a lot of our, our, our black men in HBCUs um, join fraternities because they recognize that within those circles, there are things shared, secret handshakes and different things that they're like, hey, I can expose myself in this group and I know it won't get outside of the group. So I think that's the, the importance of that trust factor with the, the community building, healing, and really doing that inner work. So we can really project out um, the success that we want. Because basically, if you got your inners beat up, that's what you're projecting. So here I am, abused, traumatized. The thing, you know, a lot of my friends get shot and killed, just poverty. That's all I'm bringing to the table. That's all I'm filled with. I don't have no sense of reality when it comes to anything as a collective. You know, um, like you say, um, some of that could spill out and it just downs the whole ship, right? So back to you, Darren. I love it. I love it. I love it. Any Anybody with anything else that they want to add before we kind of move on? Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll chime back in with what I heard and uh, what it did to me in terms of the intention, being crystal clear, um, putting an intention out there that is bigger than all of us. Many of all of us that are with the minister, you know, there's an intention of what's in motion from the most organized moment that will outlive us all physically. So it's understanding that there's this clear intention. And and then again, along the way, okay, hey, whoever can further this along, great, you know, and so, but it's an honesty. And it's, a, um, I love what brother was saying about really being able to, if you can't see the vulnerability and somebody else and cover down and still recognize, okay, hey, yeah, you know, um, you know, and I say cover down, meaning I'm not trying to kill you because I see that you're still working on some stuff. You know what I'm saying? That love, that mercy, that the minister say, you know, we all don't want to give mercy to the next person, but we all want to receive some mercy. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's, and, and that's really dangerous, I think, to build in any long term anything. It's this, this idea that, well, I got to put on a facade that I'm perfect. I got to put on this facade that, and now we lying. Now we can't really build anything. And now it's a lot of sisters out there say, well, if you just would have told me that's what you was dealing with from the beginning, we could have rolled with that. I would have been OK. But you kept that away from me to make a decision. And I can't. Even, now I don't trust you. And <laughs> now we back to you can't just be real. And now you're thinking, well, since she wants this or he's looking for that. So I got to say this. And now you're not even you're not even real. And so you you don't even allow your brother, your sister to to show their mercy in their heart and then to cover down and help you. And because we, you know, all of us need each of us. So I think it's that that we bought into this, that, you know, what man created, wherever it was created, wherever, we, you know, wherever it originates. It's another conversation, but we, this, we have to try to appear to be something we're not. And that's because what we are is not good enough, right, wherever we at. And, you know, know that it was a work in progress doesn't mean we get an excuse with that intention being so strong now makes all of us step up and, and, and have to become better and become more. Okay. We got to have somebody working on this because these parts we have to work on. We got to, but if we can't be put that intention, I like what the brother said, bringing it all the way together, intention, and then um, the, the realness. Um, then I think we got a chance to, uh, to really do something and we put it out there. We don't have to apologize about, man, it seemed like if I leave out the house, they're trying to kill a brother. You know, that's some realness in the atmosphere. You can't, that's until we handle that. There was a, I don't know if you guys heard on Clubhouse, there was a brother um, 
there was a there was sister Lucretia. Y'all familiar with that Lucretia our Cree story? Mm-hmm. That, but anyways, the people were rallying around about. Some people were in the room saying, um, "Man, we gotta we gotta enact some revenge on these white folks because until they start losing some lives, this is gonna just keep mm-hmm. going on." Some people in the room were saying, hey, don't talk about that. This is Lucretia's room. If you want to start your own room. And, and other people were chiming back in saying, look, man, this is something affecting all of us. And so that pain, because some of us try to go along and get along. And there's a lot to be said for that in some sense. But if you're compromising the truth and you're not even breathing anymore, then you're going to it's going to come out anyway. So we got to talk straight words and just really be able to um, come together based around the truth. Okay. Okay. I got it. I got it. I wanted to ask, and, and I think you guys already, you know, somewhat touched on it, uh, but it's, it's almost like you kind of segued into the next question. You know, from your perspectives, uh, how much do you think, you know, mainstream society plays into black men not really seeing themselves as, <laughs> as, as, a, as a collective unit? Because like I say, a lot of times I hear this, you know, hyper, hyper individualism, you know, set myself apart from you know, the rest of the community and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So therefore I mm-hmm. don't necessarily want to identify as that type of, of, of black, of, of, of black man or whatever the case may be. How, how, how much do you think, you know, mainstream society plays a, a, a role in that? Yeah. I wonder if, I wonder if some black men get to a point where they're just frustrated and tired of the bad examples that are highlighted within our community and want to distance themselves in that way. I wonder if we as black men just get so done with it, you know, Mm -hmm. that when I walk to the store and I'm taking my family out to eat or we just picking up something to eat and white folks are looking at us not knowing, wondering, you know, is he, who is he on the inside? Um, often we can, I, I, I believe when it comes to black folks, we're the most forgiving people ever. Um, but, but white folks, the judgment on their face when we can walk in the store. And the good thing about this man, and not to, not to go off of your topic, is I'm sitting here talking to three brothers, man that know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to the prejudice and the judgment when there hasn't been an action on our on our end, whether we're driving in our car and we see police when we're walking into the store and just regular customers and clerks, um, you know, just watching us, got an eye on judging us and trying to figure and try to put us in a category. So when you ask that question, the first thing that came to my mind was the, the thought of a black man that's doing well, that's doing okay, that's not in, the, in any nonsense, but just tired of being in that, people putting him in that space of, I think this is who he is. I think he's one of the bad, quote unquote, bad apples. You know, um, just because he may want to dress, um, I guess, update, updated, um, just because he wants to wear the latest uh, Jordans or something like that, putting us in a category. 
nah, this brother worked hard for these shoes, <laughs> you know? So I wonder um, how, you know, when you mentioned that, that was the first thing I thought about. But I do believe that, um, to go back to the, the initial question, that um, that it is highlighted in terms of the, I, I, I'll say it this way, um, drama sells, nonsense sells. You know, and I think those are the things that are put out there, you know, if I'm answering your question right, because you put you took me to another space. That's just how my mind works. Yeah, but I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, 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 <laughs> but, but all the nonsense all the nonsense sells, you know, if you see nonsense and mess on on TV, you know, it's gonna be it's it's gonna have great ratings. You know, same thing with on social media, you know, when you see in fights, you know, people posting clips on fights, it's getting millions of views, you know. So I think it 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 puts this um it puts this it paints this picture and it shows other folk who don't have the understanding, who don't have the capacity, who I'm not gonna say who don't who won't take the steps to understand that we're more than just that. Um so you know to answer your question, man, I think it plays a huge part. Um on the outlook of who people think we are. Um, if I if I answer the question, because I think I just went off right there, Daryl. <laughs> but you know, that's something I wanted to. Well, that's something that just as soon as you mentioned, that's something that I wanted to share, man. Yeah, and 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 and, and I, like I said, I just really wanted you guys' thoughts on that uh, because mm-hmm. I, because I do know that you know the images that are portrayed, you know, for a lot of us are exported throughout the world. And most of the time, they're not really the images that that are really available, to, you know, to us, like 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 the people that are really trying to do something in the community and stuff like that, like you, like brother mm-hmm. Amos, like like brother Tyrone, right? These are these are images that are, are kind of pushed back to you know to the to to the background, and right, we don't get right. a chance a lot of times to see those really really positive and pro images that we should see, except for the ones that they want to you know allow us to see. Like a lot of times, I go and I look up different periodicals and different magazines and I'm like, well, damn, I didn't know this person, you know, who was black, it was a black male. I didn't know this person was doing X, Y, and Z, you know, Right. Uh, but, but I want to, I, I, I just wanted to kind of ask that question just to kind of get your, your guys uh, uh, kind of thoughts on that. Anybody else want to jump in? Yes. Uh, Tyrone here. I, I will thank you all for those incredible responses. I, I want to say a couple of things if I could about the mainstream society. It, it, it definitely has an effect on our young black men. Um, but one of the things that we have to under, understand is, um, it, and I'm going to read a quote from W.E. Du Bois. He, he wrote a, a paper called Of the Training of Black Men. And he says, no people a generation removed from slavery can escape a certain unpleasant wrongness and gotchery despite the best of training, meaning that you didn't produce the system. So you have to become what I call an intellect mature in your intellectualism to handle it. It it won't go away because it's not your system, right? We created a system with black Tulsa. We had a system. They, they ruined our system because it was going to drown out their system. Right. The reason why that they, the images and everything is played like a record player around in these communities and in the airwaves 
it is damaging to black men, but it's not their system. That's why we the collective consciousness is so important so we can build our own system and create our own images so we can have the intellectual maturity and training to look at that representation and attack it. So, no, that ain't what, that is not who we really are, right? Go against it. We don't have to dance in their pool and say, pull down the image in their pool. It's not happening because we didn't create the pool, right? So that's where the collective consciousness comes in at. And as a definition of intellectual maturity, it's the ability to tolerate uncertainty, the ability to withhold assent, the ability to withstand contradictions and recognize the merit of opposing views. The merit of these opposing mainstream societal views is the fact that we can create our own reality. But like, what do we do a lot with this, with regards to, um, you know, this mainstream reality? We put black on everything, black Hollywood, black Twitter. We throw black on every little black, by black, black community, right? We put black on about every aphorism that you know, right? But the reality of that is, is just that, that's our way of being a collective consciousness and creating an intellectual maturity, you know, around this system. Yes, the mainstream society is supposed to belittle and downgrade the guy that can exterminate the race. Why wouldn't you do it? It just does it makes sense to do that. We could eliminate them. You have to go against what it can do, can destroy you. And we obviously understand that 2050, 2060. You know, Caucasians will be a minority in America. And not even to us. This is going to be more <laughs> of the Spanish Americans than, than African Americans. So that, that's why we're like, what, we don't get the tax, right? But again, we don't have um, no political backing. So that's why the Asian bill came out really, really fast when they killed those, those ladies in the spas, less than peaceful old ladies. But because they had a home, they contacted America, so they need to get that fixed right away. We're going to have problems. We don't have that, right? So you can keep killing our brothers. You can keep destroying us within, and we it's just there to take it. Uh, God bless the, the leadership of Ghana in making a way for us to come on back and kind of solidify that and pull those, those ties together. But overall, mainstream society is doing what it's supposed to do because that's not our system. It's their system. So they're, they're in essence saying, how are you going to try to dictate to us within our system how to, how we decide to display those that can destroy our race? Back to you, Darren. Come on with it, man. That's what I'm talking about. Now we now we now we now we kicking it. This is what this is what I'm talking about, brother Remus. You want to add on to that, Chief? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just just my my two cents is that um absolutely the 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 imagery um it has a huge effect on us. I mean, it creates the norm. You know what you see growing up, one years old, two years old, five years old. It it, it creates the whole view with the whole dynamic, the whole um of what you're thinking is normal, you know, um, the diameter is what I'm thinking to really say, um, circumference in this whole conversation, right? They create what's okay, what's acceptable, what is the norm. And that's why coming up out of that and having a consciousness of individuals and brother spoke earlier about having fathers that are there from one years old to 21 years old and we have that void and so the examples of what how we view women how we view men how we view each 